Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And as I am frequently reminded, I forget to say, now available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Today is Friday, February 11th, 2022. I'm joined in studio this morning uh, by Captain Gary Traversa, who is... uh, mentoring and training his replacement lieutenant matt hill so we got double trouble over there on the soundboard good morning gentlemen good morning and we have a special guest joining us this morning for uh, a historic historic occasion for this program our first crossover episode <clears throat> where we'll be interviewing mrs roberta mcculloch dues from the mayor's office and talking about you know her her path to success and then when our show is over this morning um roberta will be interviewing me on her show backstory so this is uh this is an interesting concept and we'll see how this goes good morning roberta good morning chief how are you I'm well thank you let's start with a check of the weather and a couple newsworthy items and then we'll get right into it Here is your WTBR forecast from BrookshireWeather.com for Friday, February 11th. Greetings! Today, partly sunny with a high of 46. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 40 with isolated rain showers. Tomorrow, Mostly cloudy, a high of 45 with isolated rain showers. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Jacob's forecasts are getting better every week. Kid is on point. So what's going on with the news? Um, I, I think... You know, just based on the drive in here this morning, I got to start with this this story, uh, the lead article in today's Berkshire Eagle, and it's you know, potholes, 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 right? The the pothole situation in the city and and elsewhere is horrible this year, and uh, the Eagle ran a story about the effort put together by uh, Highway Superintendent um, Vinnie Barbarata, who is just a rock star of all things related to, you know, roadway repair, and he's a huge assist to us with a lot of special events. Um, this is a this is a really hard time of year for pothole repair to be done, mostly because it's just hard to get the asphalt. Uh, and this story broke yesterday. I think well, Roberta can confirm. Um, you know, Vinnie announced his plan and the. City Hall media machine put it out, and I happened to see some of the comments on the City Hall, I think it was Facebook page yesterday afternoon. They weren't even done with their initial attempt, and the criticism started coming in. You know, of course, it's not going to be a permanent solution, right? Potholes, they shift, right? It got cold again last night. Some of the repairs they did this morning will probably have to be touched up today. They're doing their best, right? If you can't say something nice, just stop. It's, It's frustrating. Uh, other big story, we talked about this briefly last week. It's, it's, we knew it was coming, but it's official, right? Patrick's Pub is going to change hands. But it looks like it's going to sit day the same old Patrick's Pub that, you know, I don't know if all of us, but many of us know and love. So that's good news that that won't be closing. And I lost my other story here. Um, there, there, was a, there was a rescue, a hiker rescue that uh, was announced in the Eagle this morning. Uh, there it is. I found it. Um, a hiker fell in the Beartown State Forest, slipped on a icy patch of the Appalachian Trail, and then the fire rescue units had to go in with the high angle rope team and retrieve the hiker. And you know, fire chief, to his point, so this is probably not the time of year. It 
I'm I'm an avid hiker. I've spent a lot of time in across the, my life in various beautiful parts. But if you don't have the knowledge and the right equipment, it's a it's dangerous and expensive for rescuers to have to go out and get somebody. So know your limits, and if you at the bare minimum, if you're hiking at this time of year, you got to have some type of traction device, uh, you know, whatever yak tracks. But if you're on a section of the Appalachian Trail that would be considered rugged, you probably need crampons. If you've never hiked with that stuff on stick to the bike path for a little while right spring is coming you can get up on the at later all right that's probably enough of the news items how's everybody doing today we're good it's a uh sunny sunny february day it's i won't a heat wave i won't say that it's warm out <laughs> there was a little black ice on the on the way in this morning but it's definitely warmer than it has been and i'm okay with that that cold spell we had was brutal. Lieutenant Hill. Yes, sir. You, you, you are in rapt concentration on that board over there. You got to relax a little bit. <laughs> Captain, cut the camera back over to the lieutenant. <laughs> all right, that's better. Breathe. We're going to do all the heavy lifting over here. All right, so let's get started. Roberta, welcome. Thank you so much, Jay. How are you? I'm doing well this morning. Like you said, <clears throat> it's a heat wave. So, you know, yeah. 30 degrees. We're ready, you know, well, not me, but some people are ready to ditch the coats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure uh, you have teenagers at My home. My kids have not been wearing coats all winter. The short and shorts probably for Well, <laughs> he was wearing shorts yesterday yeah. um, because he does wrestling, yeah. iconic wrestling. But... Um, they don't wear coats, yeah. and I don't understand it because I'm like I look at them and I get cold. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I don't get it. Youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. All right, so let's let's get started. Right. Uh, this is this is interesting. So we were in Studio Two. Yes. On Wednesday, yes. and uh, I was in the other chair, and you and I had an interesting conversation. Okay. I haven't gone back and listened to it yet. Okay. One of my friends did and had some very positive response on your LinkedIn post. Okay. Um, well, it hasn't aired yet. Right. Um, that was just the vignette. So um, it's going to air right after. Right after this. That's right. So, and depending on the response we get from our listeners, um, we may have to we may have to do future crossover sure. episodes. Why not? Yeah. We'll have All to right. Compare guest lists and see how that shapes up. Yep. So I told you yesterday we're going to keep this kind of casual. Yep. So let's you know get in the Wayback Machine and okay. go back and learn something about young Roberta. Sure. Well, um, young Roberta, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, my family immigrated to the United States when I was two. So that was my mom, my dad, my brother, and myself. And we settled in the Bronx. Um, we met my grandmother, my great aunt, and my, um, my great grandmother who were already here. And that was how I came to be in the United States. Um, for much of my life, I carried around um, what's called a resident alien card, AKA green card. Um, and I, was, um, I wasn't a citizen until I turned 22. Um, and then I became a naturalized citizen. That's, that's very cool. I've had the opportunity to attend some naturalization ceremonies and they're amazing. Where were you? when you obtained your citizenship? I was in New York, so I went, it was in Manhattan. And, um, and so this was pre 9-11. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful because my mother had the foresight to say, you need to get this now. I mean, literally I had gone through life with like this card and a baby picture and a thumbprint. And that was my form of ID pre 9-11. Um, so I went, it was in Manhattan and I just went and you, I mean, it's pretty, it, it does feel there's an element of formality and significance to it because you're in a room full of other people who are taking the same oath and you're standing there. And it's pretty historic. Like, yeah. yeah. And not easy to obtain U.S. citizenship. No, it's not. You have to it's know a, history. It's a process. You, you, people who sit for the citizenship exam have to know more history yes. than in general native born students have, you to, have know. to study. Yeah. Yes. So 
from Jamaica to grew up in the Bronx. Yes. Where'd you go to school? Okay, so all right, do you want to know like um, high school? Because I can tell you high school. Sure. All right, so high school, I went to St. Barnabas High School, which is an all-girls Catholic high school. Um, that explains so much. So it's like in the Bronx <laughs> and Yonkers. So half of the school was in the Bronx, half was in Yonkers. And um, my family were not Catholic, but in the city, how Catholic schools were deemed, they were deemed as places where you could go for like academic rigor and discipline so in new york you had tons of high schools and catholic schools are big in new york city what'd you do well obviously academic rigor and discipline so you studied very hard and i i know that because i'm familiar with your body of work but what did you do for extracurricular activities or fun when you were in school? Sure. Well, you know, one of the things is that our family life and, you know, growing up in the 80s, you know, you had no internet, you know, you had none of that. So, you know, my grandmother played a huge role in my upbringing and my brother and I are upbringing. And she made sure that every inch of our time was consumed by some kind of activity. So we were not idle or running the streets. So she enrolled us in like things like um, the STEP program, which was like the science and technology entry program at Columbia University. She um, enrolled us in the Harlem School of the Arts. So my brother played the violin and I played the flute. Um, Do you still play? I don't. I, I have my flute, but I don't, I don't play still. But but I mean, at one point I played in an orchestra, which wow. was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that was Saturdays. So like Monday through Friday was school. Friday nights we went to like there was like youth like youth group at like church, and then Saturday was like music, and then Sunday was church, and it was like repeat. I mean, there was no room for like straying away and doing something off the you know off the path. So you grew up in the church. Yeah. But not Catholic, but went to Catholic school. Yes. So what church? Oh, I went to Bronx Baptist Church, which okay. was one on 187th and T-Bow. So that's like the South Bronx. Got it. All right. So you're in the city mm-hmm. and you get out of high school. Yeah. What's next? So I knew that NYU was my first choice. I had th- I had like three schools. There was like NYU. I think there was like Stony Brook. And then I think there was, was it like Binghamton, I think? But NYU was my number one pick. I didn't even pick like a ton of safety schools because like I knew like that is my school. And I was inspired by the Cosby show. Like so Theo went to NYU. Got it. And because Theo went to NYU, I wanted to go to NYU. And um, yeah, so I applied and I was accepted. I mean, it was it was my dream school and I got in. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't qualify. Like, I mean, it's like a lot of money and I didn't qualify to like stay on campus Mm -hmm. in terms of just like financial aid and stuff like that. So I had to commute. So I was a commuter. So my mom, my parents divorced and my mom lived in Queens and I commuted from Queens to NYU every day. So that's like a two fare zone. And for those who don't know, you have to take like a bus or a dollar van to the train and from the train, then, you know, you walk. That's commitment. It is. I mean, but I think if you grow up in the city, too, you have to understand time management. You have to know, you know, when the train is coming, if you miss your train, if you miss your bus. you So you have to pretty much adhere to a schedule. Did so you, being in a car is a luxury. Did you end up doing a lot of schoolwork on the train or on the bus? I did. I was very like my book bag was like, I mean, we carried around books, right? This is pre <laughs> pre-internet, pre-internet. So <clears throat> my book bag was like this big. Um. And I felt like a turtle, right? Because I, because <laughs> I had this big thing on my book back, on you my back. Double strap it. Absolutely, but yes, I studied. I was reading all the time, um, and um, I stayed after class. They had the the law library or BOPS, which was like their general mm-hmm. library, and I would just stay after and read and do my homework or whatever. And that was when I wasn't working, you know, because I worked so, too. Of course. Yes. What'd you do? Oh, I worked in retail. So I um, I worked in retail. I worked for French Connection. Um, there was a store on Broadway called Atrium. I worked there, um, and then at one point I did get I had to get like an internship part of my the curriculum. I had to get an internship, and I ended up um, being a freelancer for the Amsterdam News, which is one of the oldest black newspapers in the country, and it's based in Harlem. Really? Yes. All right, so I didn't ask this yet, but you kind of segued me there. So you went to school to study journalism. I did, yeah. I started off as a broadcast journalism major, but then I realized that, like, if you're on TV, you have to have, like, a certain look. And this was, like, pre-natural hair movements where people were really accepting of, like, different looks and things like that. And I just... 
I realized I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, did, I mean, I don't want to have to adhere to this mold. You didn't want to put the character on when you went no, to work. No, I didn't. I I knew that, <clears throat> and that was why I didn't go into law because that was going to be my number one thing. I mean, there was law, and then there was broadcast journalism, and I, you know, whether it was the lack of the work-life balance with law or the shape shifting with the broadcast journalism, I didn't want to do that. So I, I settled, or not even settled. I decided on communications because that was really where my heart was always. So I, I'm going to div- kind of like dive off the take a side path yeah. here for a second. So at what point? Did you meet Warren? I met Warren at the Times Held Record. And so that was my first real job out of college. And I met him there. So how newspapers were set up at the time. So we're talking like 2000 now. Um, They did not, editorial was not mixed with like the business side, circulation and advertising. They kept it separate. The idea was to keep the world separate so that advertiser, the advertising department circulation couldn't influence the content on the editorial side. So literally there was the lunchroom, the cafeteria, was like the middle part the chasm and then one side was business one side was editorial it was a segregated workforce it was it was (laughs) they did it to make sure that the content stayed pure so we met there yeah all right all right we'll get to warren in a minute yeah we've got to spend some time on that guy (laughs) (laughs) he's a character yeah um so you're in college you do this internship at the first black owned newspaper yeah so let me tell you so at that again we didn't have cell phones, or we did, but the ones that you pull up, the, That's right. you just pull flip, up the antenna. Yeah. I don't even think we could flip it back then. Um, so yeah, I had to get, I had to get this internship. So I went to Harlem, and I knocked on the door, and I said, I know I don't have any experience, but I really would like to write for you. And the editor at the time, Ken Meeks, he gave me my first chance to write, um, and he was like, we can't pay you much. Um, you know, we can pay you like, I don't know, $25 or something, an article. But to me, it was like, oh, wow, like I get to see my name in print. That's amazing. It was big. It's a bold step for it, a young woman. Well, I mean, I mean, well, what was I going to do? I had to ask. You had to ask. Yeah. So, I mean. What's the and worst I, that could happen? They could say no. So, I was like, well, I'm going to go to Harlem. And I knew that, I mean, and it was the best experience. I look back at my clips. Was the writing good? <laughs> no. You hadn't polished your craft yet. The writing was not good. They just, they, they, but they allowed me to, um, they really gave me a lot of free reign. Um, they allowed me to cover like theater, you know, um, I did theater reviews. I did restaurant reviews. They sent me everywhere. Nice. I did like, you know, city meetings. Um, they did. I was allowed to do a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Does that paper still exist? It does. That's cool. Yes, it does. Very cool. Because so few local newspapers have managed to hold on in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, it was about, like, I want to say the mid to late aughts um, that, you know, you know, the writing was on the wall. I mean... The, the mid to late aughts? Yes. You're Jamaican. It's coming through. Well, I mean, how else would you say it? The zeros. Z- well, okay. <laughs> yeah, you need to talk to my father. My father would say not. He yes. says not. every. I was like, what is not? He's like, it's it, zero. Yeah, your dad's a physician, right? He's a PA. Yeah. My, he's a PA. He officially retired, but he did go back to do one or two days in the um, in the ER, and he teaches. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, so now you're going to graduate yes. from college with yes. this degree in communications. Yes. Yes. Now what? All right. So one of the things that I knew I was not going to graduate and have all these loans on my back and not have a job. So again, you know, they had like the job board and I would go and check the job board and say, okay, you know, by that, at that point, you know, newspapers were still flourishing. We're talking 2000. So I said, all right, where can I go for like, you know, job fairs and stuff. So one job fair I think was in Philly. And again, got my ticket and track went down to philly went to a job fair i was determined not to leave college without a job so after going through all these job fairs i was able to get an internship um i lined up an internship for the summer and then i was able to line up another year-long internship at the times hold record so directly after college i went to the detroit free press for a summer internship there that must have been fascinating. It was great because it was my first time like away from home. This was, I guess, going to be my dorm experience because I actually like had an apartment right. in downtown Detroit. Um, I was there by myself. It was like it was like wow. This what was year, what year was this? This was two thousand, the summer two thousand. Yeah. So I mean, 
Detroit in 2000, it, Detroit was a, was a rough it was, was a rough place. It was. And my family, they were very nervous. It, I mean, they all like drove up yeah. and everyone went to make sure they went to check out the apartment building. I mean, everything was thoroughly vetted. They found like a relative that I had in Detroit to make sure I knew someone there. Yeah. So I wasn't alone. Um, you know, again, having the New York sensibilities, you know, even when I would walk down to the waterfront um, and come back to the apartment, you know, I'm always scanning my surroundings. I'm always looking around me. So, you know, I would if I if I picked up on anyone that looked kind of shady or whatever, you know, I definitely would have my alerts on. But, you you know, when you're from New York, you never that never leaves you. It's it's interesting. I mean, we have a lot of transplants and, and second homeowners from New York mm-hmm. here in the Berkshires. And I'm not going to say it's easy to pick them out in a crowd, yeah. but it's not that difficult because the way. They approach things like you're saying, situational awareness or the way they walk down the street Mm -hmm. or even the way they park is completely different than somebody who grew up here. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that people leave their car running. I mean, they and I'm like, you go into a store and you leave your car running. I'm like, what if someone takes your car? Which in the Commonwealth is a finable civil penalty. To do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, get a ticket for it's that. not me, but I've seen people. I mean, even when I leave, if I go to the store, I take my bag, I put it behind the seat. Yeah. I lock the doors. Lock the doors. I, I mean, I do all of that. I lock the doors <clears> in my garage. You should. Yeah. So. All right, so Detroit, Yeah, Detroit. that was for the summer? That's right, and then after that, I headed to Middletown, New York, um, to Times Held Record. That was... Um, for our listeners and viewers who might not be familiar, myself included, where is Middletown, New York? That's in the Hudson Valley. Okay. So you have like Orange, Ulster, Sullivan counties. Um, and so you have, this is, it's almost like a bedroom community for a lot of people that work in New York City. They, um, you just take the, um, not, not, what's the, the train? Um... The Metro North. You take the Metro North um, down to the city. So it's, it makes for great commuting. And so we had like a lot of police, a lot of firefighters that live in like in like the Hudson Valley and they would, you know, work in the city. Got it. OK. So you finish in Detroit mm-hmm. and come to Middleton. You're working. Yes. At the- yes. My first beat. I um, I covered a town called Weiweyanda. Weiweyanda. Yes. And nothing was really happening in Weiweyanda. And how you had to do it back then was if you're any kind of reporter worth your salt, you wouldn't be sitting down at your desk. Because if you were, your editor would say, why are you here? Why are you not talking to people? So you'd have to get out and drive around. If they had a diner, you'd go to the diner, you'd talk to people. I'd go to town hall and talk to the town supervisor and say, hey, what's going on? You had to go find your own stories. You had to find your own stories. You You had to be curious. And you had to look around see what's going on um it really required you to step outside of your comfort zone and talk to a wide variety of people so a lot of not uh, my limited experiences on the receiving end of you know media inquiries and stuff like that but many reporters have a focus area or a specialization so you might have a reporter on the crime beat you might have somebody on the government beat did you have a focus area i did once my internship um evolved into something that was more permanent um i was able to work features i was able to work in the business um the business sector so it was great i really love features because i love to write about um, really go into depth and write about different topics and things. I mean, and they really at that time you were, you know, we had the space in newspapers to really, you know, like a two pager. Like okay. it was, it was, it was great. I mean, whatever the topic, um, they really allowed you to really allow it to, you know, come to life, whatever it was. What was the size of the newsroom there? Oh man, back in the day, wow. It was, it was, it was. It was full. It was big. I mean, we had a sports department. We had a business department, features, general, the general assignment reporters. Then you had your um, your photographers. I mean, it was what a newsroom was back in the day. I mean, the industry has the way that the industry is now. It's has decimated. Oh, yeah. Decimated newsrooms. So you, themselves. so you brought up the photographers. So when you were what's the name of the paper again? A Times Herald Record. Oh, so we we'll do the record. Um, did you, if you wrote a feature and you went out to kind of polish it, did you go back out into the community with a photographer or a photojournalist? Well, how it worked is that when the story was on, when it was budgeted, right, so they would have the reporter and the photographer. Yeah. So you worked as a duo. So it wasn't, you didn't think of the re- photographer as an afterthought. He was capturing the story um, with you yeah. just through images. And So 
I, I asked you that question because, again, I don't have experience in the newsroom mm-hmm. other than, you know, being there to, to talk to somebody or sit down with the editorial board. But one of the things I've noticed in, in our local media area, when I started being interviewed by the local press, it was always a pair. It was always, always a pair. There would yeah. never be a case when a reporter would take their own pictures. Yeah. And that's not uncommon now. Right. It's just, and it, it's unfortunate. Yep. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's a good observation. Um, photographers were deemed dispensable, and the, the advent of the iPhone and people who were eye reporters, the man on the street, the yep. woman on the street, um, it really took, you know, when, you know, the corporate heads, they think, okay, how can we, you know, make some cuts? Okay, they're going to look and say, well, you know, we can have the reporter double up, so we don't need the photographers. It- and it's unfortunate yeah. because so we we spoke briefly during our interview about that picture that you mm-hmm. found uh, that was taken on my brother and I by Joel Labrizzi. Joel was a talented journalist yeah. in a different medium, yeah. just like our local Ben Garver, right? Ben is an amazing yes, photographer, he but he's also an amazing journalist. Yes, he is. And a newspaper, in particular a newspaper or any print media, they lose something mm-hmm. When they take somebody with a creative bent for writing mm-hmm. and ask them to take the pictures. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Because you're not, that's not your specialty. You're not trained to do that. If you're a photographer and that is your craft, then you know the angles. You know what you're looking for. You know how you're trying to tell the story. When you're playing double duty and you're trying to write and take a picture, something's going to get the short end of the yeah. stick. And it's probably not going to be the writing. So you're like, okay, I took a picture. It's okay. It's, okay. it's fine. We got the picture. That's it. But a photographer, that's his craft. That's his or her craft. So they're going to say, well, what am I trying to tell here? What is the story? And they're going to give that thought. And I hope that the pendulum is going to swing back to the point where we can now, where these these companies can see that we need photographers. We need to invest in our newsrooms. We need we need the, the press. Yeah. The press can't be thought of as dispensable. And it's... Well, it's an essential element of our system of government, right? A a free and independent press is, it it was created for the purpose of keeping an eye on government, keeping the government in check. Right. Um, It's it's not one of the three branches of government, but oftentimes we describe it as one, the fourth branch. It's known as the fourth, yes. Yeah. And it's an essential service. And it's not, with all due respect to the, the current capabilities presented by technology there is a distinct difference between a professional reporter and a professional photojournalist and a citizen reporter with an iphone i mean i both have value in today's day and age Mm -hmm. but you can't rely on that the untrained concerned citizen to provide the same depth of um Reporting. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it it starts with the questions you ask and then how you present the story from a fair and balanced perspective. And there are things that you uphold as a journalist, um, things that you wouldn't say. Um, You know, when, you know, I mean, I I take some of those same elements even into the writing that I do. I think about when I'm writing, I literally, every sentence I go over and I think to myself, what am I portraying? What am I conveying with what I'm putting (laughs) out? And if I have doubts, I step away, I go back to the copy and I'll read it. But yeah, it's it's thinking about putting out information in a responsible way. And in our day and age now, everyone doesn't they don't think about that. They think about being the first. Right. I must be the first. I must post it even before it's been confirmed. Even if the information isn't all accurate, I can go change it later. Right. right? But everyone is concerned with getting the get. Yeah. They, so you, you got to break the story. You got to get yeah. the get. So when the couple minutes we have before we go to station break, just I want to follow up on something you said and, and ask you a question. So. Uh, Journalists have a journalistic code of ethics. Yes, they do. Uh, and as we talked about briefly yesterday, you know, I'm I'm doing some academic study right now, so I happen to be in a course on ethics this term. And one of the things that came up this week was the importance of consultation in mm-hmm. maintaining an ethical identity. So for clinicians, when you're having an ethical dilemma, one of the prime tools is to call another trusted, vetted clinician and kind of bounce the idea back and forth. Right. Do journalists do the same thing? Um, in terms of um, maybe bouncing ideas or vetting things or... Like if you 
got to a point where you were saying in a story and yeah. you're like, is this is this upholding my code of ethics? Absolutely, yes. I mean, in the newsroom, there would be that camaraderie um, where, you know, I remember seeing editors and they would huddle around a computer screen, arms folded, and they're looking at the copy and they're talking about it. <clears throat> Definitely people would debate things um, because you have to have that that engagement. You have to, because sometimes if it comes out of your head and you think it's good, it might be, but you need to have those checks and balances. And plus, then even, again, in newsrooms, you you as a reporter would put something out, but there's something someone called the copy editor. Right. And your copy editor, was, that's another level of review. And they should be reading it, and they should be reading it from the eye of flagging things. Of, Wait, I don't think you should say that. Well, it's interesting because there's a op-ed or a editorial in Today's Eagle about the Palin defamation mm-hmm. l- lawsuit. And mm-hmm. it's specifically about this, mm-hmm. about whether that editorial process was compromised due to work demands or lack of time uh, and you know they're they're right. fighting it out in court as we speak right so. yeah right. i mean you know that's what happens when you know newsrooms take a hit you know when you have that comprehensive level of checks and balances you can ensure that you know or at least help to ensure that what you're putting out is something that upholds the standards absolutely all right it's nine thirty. we need to get another check of the weather some PSAs and station identification, and then we'll be back to continue this fascinating conversation. WTBR forecast from BrookshireWeather.com for Friday, February 11th. Greetings! Today, partly sunny with a high of 46. Tonight, cloudy. A low of 40 with isolated rain showers. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. A high of 45 with isolated rain showers. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsfield to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Support for WTBR comes from Shire Brewhouse at the Stationery Factory in Dalton, offering music bingo on Tuesdays, trivia on Wednesdays, live comedy or music on Thursdays, and karaoke on Fridays. Find their menu online at shire.beer, located at 19 Flansburg Ave in Dalton, and from KB Accounting. Having a hard time filling that bookkeeping position? Are you just looking for more transparency from your bookkeeper? Maybe you're so busy you find yourself falling behind on your billing and payments. KB Accounting can help with all that. Online at kbaccountingpittsfield.com or call 464-0245. It's now time for the WTBR Jobs Board, underwritten by Interprint Inc. and Pittsfield. Interprint offers eight-hour fixed shifts, competitive wages, and excellent benefits. To join the growing Interprint team, search Interprint's job openings on Indeed.com and apply today. The Pittsfield Public Schools has an opportunity for you. They're looking for bus drivers, bus monitors, and cafeteria helpers. These part-time positions come with great starting pay and benefits. For more information, go to Pittsfield.net and click on the Job Openings tab. Greylock Federal Credit Union is looking for bilingual employees to fill multiple different positions. Visit Greylock.org careers today to learn more. Greylock Federal Credit Union, equal opportunity employer. The WTBR Jobs Board was underwritten by Interprint Inc. in Pittsfield, the number one decor designer and printer for the world's finest laminators. To join the growing Interprint team, search Interprint's job openings on Indeed.com and apply today. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, Take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Welcome back. 
Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and also available on all your popular podcast platforms. I just realized as I was doing this uh, this role that I'd never like introduced myself at the beginning of this show. Uh, I introduced my guests in studio. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm co producer and co-host of this radio show i'm also the chief of police here in the city of pittsfield massachusetts and we're having a fascinating conversation with my colleague roberta mcculloch dues in this first crossover episode between our two shows uh, after we get off the air in about a half an hour uh, roberta will interview me about my life and career and i'll talk a little bit about community policing and stuff but before we went to the break we were talking to roberta about her first reporter's job out of college um, and some of our our thoughts about professional journalism as opposed to uh, citizen journalism so let's move on yes after <clears throat> after I'm going to date this wrong mm-hmm. Times yeah Herald, Times Herald record. record yes Times after the Times Herald record yes how many more newsrooms um so then we move to um the uh, Horseheads area. So that's like Elmira, New York, because Warren got a job at the Star Gazette. So we moved to a town called Horseheads. And um, right, we got to pause for a second. Cause, yes. So we know you met Warren when you were with yes. the Times Herald. Oh, and then we got married. <laughs> And he's on the he was on the business side yes. of media, right? Yes. He was in circulation. He was in circulation. Right. So you met Warren. Yes, I met Warren and we got married in two thousand and three. I I am so tempted because I, I know Warren, right? Yeah. I consider him a brother. I'm so tempted to like ask you to get into a little details about how you met and the courtship, but I'm not gonna do that. Because I'm sure it would take the rest of the morning. Oh but I <laughs> you know what? I will tell you a, a interesting story. We would find out that at one point in time, we actually lived on the same block in the Bronx. But there's a nine-year age difference between us, so we did not know each other. Each other. Yes. But that that's like a sign of fate. Yeah. So you met Warren, yeah. you're working together, you fall in love, eventually you get yeah. married. Yes. You move to Horsehead. We moved to Horseheads. Were it, you both with the same paper? We Well, I was a traveling spouse, so I didn't have a job. I moved with him, um, but I would soon, um, you know, join the team at the Star Gazette, and um, I worked in features. Yeah. How long there? Oh, man, we were in in that area for seven years. Yeah. And is that when you decided to come to the Berkshires? So Warren had two job offers. One was in Pittsfield, and one was in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Sheboygan, Wisconsin? Yeah. You guys got to help me out, because I'm pretty sure, isn't that like from Tommy Boy? I'm pretty sure that's and Pittsfield won out and I remember specifically I remember going on my laptop saying what is this Pittsfield what is what is Pittsfield about and I remember googling Pittsfield and I was like oh it looks really nice and and I and when we came to visit you know um, I remember people would stop when you cross the street I said wow they're so nice they even stopped their cars in Pittsfield yes when you cross well it's a Massachusetts (laughs) thing but remember coming from New York where people would run you down i was like what is this they even they like, stop their cars they let you pass i said oh what a nice place <laughs> so warren gets yeah. picked up by the eagle yeah so Ooh. that was why we got he- we moved here we moved here for his job at the eagle it, and that well actually that was new england broadcasting right yeah so it was it was more than the eagle yeah like new bef- england media yeah, and yeah. it was before the reacquisition before the reacquisition yeah. so he moved here it was another administration at the helm and um yeah i mean that was that was those are the early days i was a traveling spouse so i had to redefine myself so you you were coming to the berkshires as a traveling spouse traveling yeah. spouse yep. he's got the job yep and did you even consider staying in journalism at that point, actually, I had shifted. Remember, I told you I had saw like in the, you know, the 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 um the writing was on the wall for newspapers, at least on my end, and I had made the intentional shift to move to marketing communications PR. So I had left the Star Gazette and I went to work for Corning. But okay. then 2009 hit, and that was the recession, Great Recession. So I when I got when I was laid off, I had already made the shift to PR, but I didn't have a job. So when I moved here, I was truly the traveling spouse with no job, not in newspapers anymore. And he wasn't still in newspapers. So I had to redefine myself. So I just have to ask out of curiosity, you said you went to work for Corning. Yeah. So that's Corning Glass. Yeah, Corning Incorporated, which is like a Fortune 500 company, global manufacturing. So they're all they're in Asia. They have outfits throughout the United States. 
is that the same company that's yeah. headquartered in Corning, New York? Absolutely. So Corning, they, yeah. they, they, so you might know of it, Corning Wear, yeah. Corning Glass, but they also, if you have a phone, Gorilla Glass. Yeah. So I, just, I just, a complete aside. So I think everybody here knows my my wife is a marathon runner, mm-hmm. and a few years ago she ran the Wine Glass Marathon yep. in Corning, New York. Yep. And one of the reasons she decided to do it is the finisher's medal for that marathon is not medal. It's glass mm. and it's manufactured by Corning. That's right. Uh, they're amazingly beautiful pieces. Yes. She's very proud of that yes. one. Yes, Steuben, Steubenware. Yes, yeah. all of that, um, all out of Corning. Yep. All right, so you're here. You're in marketing and communications and yes. PR. Yes. You don't have a job. I don't. Warren is uh, working for the Eagle. I'm also pregnant because um, my daughter was we, born we here. Got it. Because so you have two boys, two boys, two girl. little boys, and Kennedy is still baking, Got and it. she would be born in July, okay, two thousand ten. So you come here, yep. and Hinsdale, right? Yeah, moved to Hinsdale. Yep. And did you like consider you know just hanging out a shingle and being you know Roberta Dew's public relations? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought about like the consultant part, but I think. Part of and anytime you move to any new community, you have to find ways to you know get involved. No one's going to hire you if they don't know you. So you can't. You have to think about it from a strategic point. You have to figure out. Well, people have to get to know me. And I knew that even after Kennedy was born, I was like, I'm not. I'm not cut out to just like stay at home like that. It works for some people. But not for not me. For you. I, I I couldn't. And even though it's 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 definitely like a hustle, I couldn't do it. So what I did was I read the paper and I was like, how can I get involved? And I started looking at ways to volunteer. And so really that was my foray into getting into like organizations. I would find out where they needed volunteers. Um and then I went to a third Thursday event and um and met like I think they were giving out flyers for the um uh, graduates event, the women of color, women of color and circle. and I was like, oh, what's this about? And I think they had something at Jay Spice, and so I went there too. So again, it was all of a collection of just finding ways to get involved. I wasn't getting paid for anything. I was just getting out there, meeting people. So women of color giving circle, mm-hmm. rope, rope. Uh, where else were you volunteering? Oh well, I mean, it, well now or back then? Back then. Back then, I mean, it started as. I would say the women of color given circle. I don't think rope really, because rope is just about 10 years old. So I think with Kennedy and everything, I really didn't have the commitment. I couldn't be a mentor. I mean, I had three kids. They were little. I I couldn't do that. Um, But definitely women of color given circle. Um, NAACP, I started to get involved with them. Lift Every Voice Festival. Um, That was was a biggie that, I mean, we'd have meetings at the Lichtenstein. Goodness, those were like the early days. Um, so yeah, that was how I kind of started to get involved. So living in Hinsdale, yeah. But you found a church in Pittsfield. Yeah, found a church in Pittsfield. Warren scouted it out. So and for Warren, like you know, Warren sings and everything. So singing. And he's also a pastor. No, he's not a pastor. He's a minister. Minister. Yes, because a pastor, like you have the church and everything. Um, but he, so singing was important to him. So he heard the choir at Price and he was like, ah, that's it for me. And that was that sealed the deal. It was a singing. Got so, it. Yeah. Okay. And of course the people. Of course the people. Yes. So how did you end up working for the city of Pittsfield? Well, goodness, I that is such an interesting story. But if I had to tell you in a nutshell, um, I had basically had different levels of employment in the county after we moved here. Um, after I left higher education, I definitely went, because um, I worked in higher education for a bit, um, I went into business for myself. Um, and so that was where I was doing my whole consulting thing. And, um, you know, when DPI was um, helmed by Christine Hurley, she allowed me to have a space there that I could use. Got it. So it was my quasi office. And I had this little role away I call it my little office in a suitcase and I would have my little roll away and I'd walk to this little space in the DPI um, 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 office and the mayor who wasn't the mayor at the time but she would see me walking and was like goodness who is she she told me later I'm like she's walking with purpose like who is this person um, so you know I think that memory stuck out in her mind but even prior to that we had all myself the mayor and Catherine before we knew each other have participated in the leadership for Institute and Public Impact Program, Lippy. Got it. So we were all a part of the same cohort. So when she won, 
she remembered me and she recruited me to be a part of her team based on her previous interaction with me with Lippy, based on seeing me seeing me walking was, with my little suitcase. Was Chief Kastner in that class? Yes. Okay. Yes. Jody, Jody, Jody right? Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, I think putting all that together, she was like, this is someone who I'd like to have on my team. And she recruited me, and it was my pleasure to, to join her team. So you've been with... You've been with the city and the administration uh, since yeah. Mayor Tyre came in. Yeah. And you technically occupy a, a position as the director of administrative services. Yes. Right? But you really wear two hats. Yes. Uh, if I were to, if somebody from another agency, another police department were to say, you know, how, what is this, the relationship? You're prime your communication specialist so your primary role is basically as the lead public information officer for the city of Pittsfield Ab absolutely I actually started I added that to just you know just all the um, releases I put out because director of administrative services doesn't tell you anything right. it's very it's sort of like an obscure title that can lend itself to anything it's so and so i was like you know what this needs a little bit more definition and because of the bulk of the work that i do is communication related and it's in my job description like it says serves as a public information mm -hmm. officer so i was like well you know what let me pull that out and just put it up front so it's it's interesting you're talking about that being in the job description because I've worked with a handful mm -hmm. of DAS's over the last 14 years and well they've always technically served as the city's lead PIO yeah most of them didn't have any background in communications mm -hmm. they were there because of an administrative background because the other role of of the DAS is essentially to serve as the department head for all of those little functional areas that don't have a department head. Right. All of those other, you know, the, all those little one and two person yeah. city functional areas that when we have a department head meeting, yeah. they're they're not necessarily represented, right? So you, right. you got to kind of like keep an eye on that. You yeah. got a fairly sizable span of control. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I would say that the job has shifted and you're absolutely right like every person brings their own flavor to it um and while there is that element of engaging with the different departments you know some of them those little departments they do have their de their their department head at the helm and so i have shifted away from necessarily you know um that aspect of the role of the oversight as I, there's a lot more collaboration, a lot more engagement, but it's tremendous in terms of the project management. It's tremendous in terms of just the daily shift that has to occur. I mean, I can start my day out thinking I'm going to do one thing and it can move. It can just move left real quick. So you're, you're leading into my next question. Oh, OK. But before we get to that. So, for example, the police department. We have we have our own media policy. Mm -hmm. We have a fairly robust PIO program under the guidance of, of Captain Traversa. Um, and we have protocols that we adhere to, you know, including our media go by that in the event of a critical incident, mm -hmm. we're going to Twitter first. Right. This is how we're going to schedule a, a media event. And Fire has has that capability. They have pre-formatted releases that they, you know, they send out. Uh, and DPS mm. pr probably has some of that capability and but we're probably it right mm -hmm. as far as all of the other departments when they need to get word out to the press they right. need somebody with that skill set right absolutely so um the office of the mayor really serves as sort of the depository repository for the press releases i write some of them um some of them will come to me written but i review all of them um i edit them to make sure that it has sort of the format the voice um that it should have that it's clean um i never want to send out anything that's not written well so you know if i'm not the owner of of the content i will always go back to the owner and say i've made these changes are you comfortable with it but it's very important that you know content that comes out of our office really be clean be formatted be clear right. be accurate and in the event that there is um a correction that needs to be made we follow up on it quickly because guess what things will happen right. but it's just important to follow up and make sure that the right information is out there so we train our people up uh basically all commanders and many supervisors mm -hmm. plus a couple subject matter experts and in time sensitive stuff we're just we're pushing media releases out we send them to you right. you know as they're going but when we've got time 
even though we have all that capability, we still loop you in yes. to to get a uh, polish. Um, like I I got one yesterday. Yeah, Captain Dolly is getting ready to push a little story out on the hub table because mm-hmm. we've got you know a couple months of work under our belts now and a couple success stories. And he sent it to me and was like, "Finish this up with your team and send it to Roberta." All I, right. I I'm not gonna muck around as an amateur with this. Send it to the professional. And, and Plus, I, ask her if the mayor wants to add a quote. <laughs> absolutely, and um, and so yes, I mean, and thank you, thank you for just that that um, extending that that opportunity to cast an eye on it. I mean, I tend to when I get releases from your department, I because there's a lot of like lingo and so I I I shy away from changing things that is really outside of my bailiwick like i'm like i'm not gonna change and alter something that i really have no business doing but if it's something that maybe from a clarification standpoint if i'm reading it as the lay person and i'm i'm looking at this and i'm saying i i I don't understand this or you say this but you don't follow up with any other information i think i would make edits that add to that but yeah when it comes to the technical stuff i leave it to the experts yeah yeah all right so you you mentioned this briefly but if you had a typical day, mm-hmm. what would it look like? So a typical day would look like, one, I start every day with a list. I like to write things down. It's the writer in me. And I have I have a list that literally I write down everything that I need to accomplish for the day um, in terms of priority. And then once I have the list situated, then I'll scan the news for like what's going on. So I scan local, state, and national media. And I scan it, one, because it's very important to find out what's happening in our local community. But I also need to know what's happening on the state level. Are there trends that we need to be, our policy changes that we need to be mindful of? And, lo- and on the national level, of course, because we need to know what's happening in our country Um, after I've done that then I start to think about okay what do we need to put out for our story so what are some of the things that we need to get out by way of press releases by way of social media Um, so I map those out Um, and then I also have to factor in what am I writing so there's internal and external communications that um, are needed so I might be you know there might be a couple of letters of support or maybe there are different things that I need to put together so I have to factor in okay um, sort of like communication time, social media time, writing time. And then, you know, um, there's other like constituent stuff that just comes up and email is in between. But when it comes to like writing, I need clear, like I need to be in a clear space. Um, And when, oh, and there's Zooms. Okay. So also there's Zooms. (laughs) All the time. And in-person meetings too. So like putting all that together. And I think for the writer in me, um, I I really... um, I need to have silence and I need to have quiet and I cannot the interruption of back and forth. I, when I need to get things out, I have to either close the door if I need to just get it out my brain. But um, yeah, writing requires for me that concentration and that focus because it's really important that we get it right. Absolutely. And and so I don't rush through content. I take my time. Um, and so that that can that can that can eat up your day. But I make sure that when I have that list Having the list, it allows for this methodical process because I can say, okay, that's done, that's done, that's done. Okay, what's the next half of my day going to look like? And I can shift to maybe some long-term projects. And in the middle of all of that, because you you are a creative, you come up with all of these other things that yeah. you'll throw out there. <laughs> so the city employees uh, um, photo yes. campaign yes. is kind of your creation. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the campaign. So that was back in, I think, what, 2019 we did that. And it was. I said, well, we need to be able to, again, show who is the city of Pittsfield. When you hear people outside of government, they talk about the city of Pittsfield, the city of Pittsfield. Like it's this amorphous blob right. that there is no individual inside of it. It's just this blob that's going to come and just rob you of your money, take all all your money because it just wants all your tax money and all of that, right? Um, and I'm like, we are not this amorphous blog. They're actually, you know, um, hardworking people every day that go to um, local government to work on be- on behalf of their fellow citizens. And I was like, well, why don't we show who they are? And so that out of, that was the genesis for that um, part one of that campaign. I'm happy to say that we have a part two coming out. Michael Taylor, the director of HR, um, has led the effort and we're going to be rolling out some videos for nice. part two. Cool. So that is going to be, um, that's actually happening next week. More to come on that. Yep. Uh, let's see. You you 
let, took the helm and led uh, in our, our workspaces now our administration's core principles yes are prominently displayed yes absolutely <clears throat> so you know part of the mayor's work has always been you know why are we why are we doing the work that we're doing so you know she had these um principles that she had outlined and i said well you know it's good that we know it but everyone else needs to, to know, know it. it too so how can we amplify the narrative and i said let's get them on poster board and everyone's like okay <laughs> but i thought okay i think that this is a really great idea we need to see it i'm really like i'm a visual person like we need to see it and i said well uh, i'll work on it i'll work on you know i secure the designer so we could sort of get like you know the the um the design for it and then now you see these wonderful posters that tell the story like you know the, this is the mayor's these are her the guiding principles it's coming from the top but we as those who work in city hall every day we get to see it and the people who come into city hall to do their business in other offices of local government they get to see it so they're always reminded of why we're there yeah yeah and in, with all the extra time you have you managed to help us out with some projects so like early on we had we had a situation mm -hmm. um i'm not gonna get into details somebody Somebody saw a minor disturbance. Nobody was being hurt. It really wasn't. It wasn't even a disturbance. It was kind of a situation, and they thought it was appropriate to call nine one one. And we had to have a conversation about that. And the question came up: was like, Well, who do you call if you don't call nine one one? I said, Well, we have business numbers, and so you helped us design our magnets, yes. so we get all of our our communications right relays and channels out there to avoid calling 911 for non-life-threatening emergencies or crimes in progress. That's right. And during the peak of the COVID campaign, you helped us with our window clings and get those designed. That's right, the wrap. Yeah. Yes. Do you still have any on the on the cars? No, the we vehicles? took them off. I know, I missed them. It yeah. they I got a lot of pushback on that. Did you? It, well, nobody Nobody pushed back on the messaging. Yeah. It, it made some of the vehicle operations a little more difficult for some of the officers. Because you couldn't see? It wasn't that you couldn't <laughs> see. It was that it was changing their line of sight when they needed to back up oh. quickly, like on a, on a response. So I could so, see that. Yeah. So we yeah. had to, you know, they agreed to leave them there for a set period of time. And right. they agreed to get them right back off. All right. We are quickly running out of time. Favorite part of your job? Favorite <clears throat> part of my job? Um, telling the story of the city of Pittsfield. Um, and, 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 and amplifying our narrative. Least favorite part of your job? <laughs> Dealing with the misperceptions that people think government doesn't care and when people form opinions that are not based on fact but based on just opinion and then they share that. An and emotion. Then, and it, right. So I think that's the hardest part, dealing with that. Yeah. It gets frustrating. Yeah. All right. What are you looking forward to this year? For 2022, um, looking forward to just a year of productivity. Um, you know, we're still in this, you know, weird thing called this pandemic, but um, I'm looking forward to, you know, just a lot of good things. I think you got to visualize that. And so I have some things I'm going to get into, you know, some pet projects and things like that. And so, yeah, I'm excited about trying my hand at different things, leaving my comfort zone and making it a year that I'll look back and I'll be proud of. So what's what's your number one leaving your comfort zone? Well, I had mentioned when in one of my previous interviews with one of my guests, I said I wanted to make clothes. Okay, cool. I'm I I have a sewing machine downstairs, and so um, I just need to set it up. I'm definitely afraid of my kids making like putting the needles all around and then like sticking <laughs> me in my feet or something. So I I need to make sure I have a dedicated space where I can sew and I can at least watch YouTube videos on the how tos and all of that. But I am determined that I'm going. To do that this year if you need some help setting that up let me know i have a little experience with sewing machines i took home ec three times in i took school. home ec too but i don't remember everything i actually have my mother's sewing machine i use it when i have to make repairs to my gi really yeah you sew too occasionally i mostly i hand stitch what now because it you takes do? A, uh, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah the home ec story is is interesting we'll, oh, we'll wow. tell you that some other time um, in the minute we have left, I want to switch to another another new role for you. Yes. You're a wrestling mom. I am, yes. Wes decided he wanted to do wrestling, and so um, he he's a part of the Taconic wrestling team. And that's been great. I mean, I watch the videos. I'm not able to get to all his matches, but, I mean, the takedown. Yeah, the, the wrestling is hard. Yeah. Being a wrestling parent yeah. is hard is incredibly difficult. <laughs> nah, being a football mom is incredibly <laughs> difficult. The wrestling I could deal with. 
right. feel it's a little bit better. It is is better. Much less yeah. the risk of injury and wrestling than yeah. football. Okay. You have been listening to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Tune in next week. Uh, I don't know who our guest will be yet, but if you're not, you know, if you're, you have the time, don't leave us. Stay on and uh, check out the crossover episode. We'll see you again next week. Be well, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.